here. Welcome to Motorcycles <laughs> and Misfits. Coming to you from the Recycle Garage in sunny Santa Cruz, California. I've got coffee in my mouth. <laughs> so, hey, everyone. This is Liza. Um, it's been a while since we've been here in the studio. We... Yeah, I mean, we've been doing so many of these other, you know, episodes. Uh, Trav, this is our big three weeks in a row of doing stuff. It was nice to have a Saturday to do laundry and catch up on life, (laughs) but uh, but you know, it it it, a question a question was brought on to me that um, I think is a a relevant a relevant question relevant, Um, and so I want to kind of let everybody know ahead of time that this is the death episode. This is your warning. This is an episode we're going to talk about things a lot of people don't talk about. So if this is a sensitive subject for you and you don't want to hear it, uh, just wanted to give you the heads up. Trigger warning, as they say. Trigger warning. So let's get to who is here with us. Whom? In the studio. Um. Being roped into this last minute uh, as a fill-in for Stumpy John, it's Patrick. Well, hello there. Stunt misfit Patrick. Hello, Patrick. <clears throat> you can't call him hello. Stumpy, that's for sure. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> um, on the classy girl couch, all to herself, especially hoarding the snacks, it's Miss Emma. <laughs> they're very good snacks. Thank you, Jim. They're, they're toffee pieces, and they've got this crumbly stuff on the outside. It's probably... Cat litter? <laughs> it's what it <laughs> looks like. Kitty Roka. Yeah, it's Kitty Roka. Yes, no, they yes. taste very, very good. Um, happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there and everyone who wanted to be a mama and never got the opportunity. So it's your day too. Okay, except when this episode comes out, it won't be Mother's Day and it will be the death episode, which is why I wasn't going to say Well, that. no, but we are recording it on Mother's Day and that will be a good way of people to knowing how fresh how fresh these recordings are. It, I mean, it's hard to believe. I think most ever, all of our listeners realize that we record these on Sunday and you release them on Monday. I actually release it Sunday night. Right, yeah. right. But that's Monday on the East Coast. Mm-hmm. But um, there may be one or two people who don't realize that. Quick turnaround, which also happens to be the uh, college nickname for, for Naked Jim. Why'd they call you Quick Turnaround? Yeah, they like a turnstile. That's how I roll, son. <laughs> no, and they just take it. They sleep really is what it means. Hey, what's happening? Glad to be here. Yeah, uh, yeah. Mother's Day, Happy Mother's Day, and then uh, yeah, to all the other people where Mother's Day may not may not be a holiday greeting card. Much respect and love to those people as well. It's one of those funky days, man. Anyway, yeah. Peace, love, and motorcycle. My mom hates it because it is a Hallmark holiday. It is a Hallmark holiday. Yes. Capitalist swine. Exactly, basically. I have not spoken to her today. That is her wish on her birthday and on Mother's Day to That's your mother's everyday wish (laughs) that you don't speak to her. (laughs) You're probably tempted to go over there and say something to her, aren't you? But I bet you I know who did call their mother today. Bagel! I did, indeed. Yeah, because he's the nicest guy. Yeah, <laughs> and greetings from a very, very warm Oregon. It's like ninety-three degrees here right now. Really? I am. What? I was told by an Oregonian that Portland broke all heat records today. Oh wow! Yes, apparently it's very, very warm up there. 
And, um, you know, it reminded me the thing I miss the most. You know, I was tooling around on that XS11 of mine around um, downtown. You're keeping it, aren't you? God, I am. (laughs) I've fallen in (laughs) love with it. But I was tooling around Poland like 11 o'clock at night on it. And it was warm. It was still warm. Oh, God, it was so nice. Because in California, um, sun goes down, temperature Mm -hmm. goes down. Well, not this, all of California, just the coast. No, coast. just the coast. But I yeah. had this movie like moment, like one of those movies, Sin City, with Emma prowling the streets late at night, one in the morning on her. <laughs> on the XS11. Not in coastal California because it'd be too uh, cold. I'd be tucked up in I, bed I with can my just cat. Imagine that the soundtrack to that ride was uh, written by Jan Hammer, right? Is that Jan's Hammer? Oh, yes. Jan Hammer. Yeah, yeah. It, that's it. I can just imagine that. Ding, 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 ding. So let's get to the subject. I know we're being all light and fun. And I, we've actually been um, throwing this around for a couple of weeks and just kind of bouncing off of people because this is our topic to to discuss. And there's a lot of things <sighs> to discuss. Well, it's broad. Um, and it I'm I, and full disclosure, Liza, I still don't know how well I'll get through this, but I'll do my best. I appreciate it. I did give everyone fair warning. Um, but it starts with, there was a question I was asked that I want to pose to everyone here. Because when I've been asking people in the garage, I was getting different responses. And a friend of mine, their their dad happened to pass um, in a motorcycle accident. Right. And he got that bike fixed up and he's continued riding it. And now he's thinking of selling it. And his question was... Would somebody buy a bike that somebody died on? And do you need to disclose that? And I can tell you my personal opinion is I would feel proud to take a bike somebody died on and and to, you know, carry that candle for them and to keep going and live having that bike who is a part of them right. continue on. That's my take on it. Uh- I, I think the disclosing part, that's kind of a sticky situation because, like, if you know the person that you're selling to, it may be worth to disclose that. Like, otherwise, I, I don't know how you would approach that, though. But, like, for me personally, like, I would happily ride a bike like that personally because right. it's like, I think that, you know, it, what better way to honor that person, too, of, like, take on that bike, continue riding it the way it was meant to be ridden. Versus just letting it sit to waste in a garage somewhere or right. in some weird, unfortunate situations where people want to be buried with their bikes. It's like, well, yeah, that's kind of a weird thing to be buried with, too. Like, the, the bike should be ridden the way it was intended to be. And uh, I'll be the other side of that coin. I wouldn't. I, I could never ride a bike that somebody mm. died on. Um, I think the li- the broader picture, though, um, is if you're... You should you should disclose that a bike's been crashed at some oh, stage. Oh, for sure, yeah. You know, to to prospective buyer. I mean, especially if if they have no knowledge of the bike at all, and you know they're looking at this immaculate bike, and you say, I think the more most important thing for them would say, look, this bike has been that, crashed and repaired. That's very fair. Mm. That's very fair. Right? Yeah. No, I I think you should always disclose. Like, yeah, it's been through an accident and restored. Because and all I mean, that, you know, everyone's oh yeah, well, you know, it's, it has it got a clear title? Right. But that's not always reflected on its history. You know, a lot of times you can you can wad a bike and do a significant amount of damage to it and be completely underinsured and just kind of repair it yourself. And, you know, as far as the pink slip goes, it 
just regular bike, and I think you should disclose that. Well, I'm, you know, back to what we originally started with, would you ride it? <clears throat> and, and I'm curious, to, I want two things. I'm curious why you said you wouldn't, um, and I got something after that. But why, if you don't mind sharing, what's your hesitation or your rule for not riding a, a bike someone has passed on? No, I mean, I'm, I'm the first to admit, I'm really quite, quite a, um, a superstitious person. Um, and I think... As as motorcyclists, we we are engaging in inherently dangerous pursuit, and this is a known risk we take, and it's a known risk we accept. That said, you know I like to stack the odds in my favour, and it's just it. I don't know. I th- I think the thought of somebody riding the bike, enjoying it, and loving it. As I do, and then dying on it would just not sit well for me yeah. owning that same bike. Because, and I think that's more of a reflection on my relationship with bikes. I mean, here's a question for you: Knowing how much I love Rufus, if I if I died on Rufus, I don't think anybody at here would want that bike. As good a bike as it is. I don't think anyone here would want it, knowing my relationship with it. I, I would. Well, the alternative like would said, be you sell it to someone that we don't know. If anything, mm-hmm. it would be even more reason that one of us would to, want to keep it. the legacy alive. Yes. Yeah, and I mean, I suppose exactly. Well, you know, I think what else? I comes think it's in? just a different way. I'm not suggesting for a moment that I'm right and you're all wrong. It's a very, very personal decision. Exactly. Right, And I think one thing that plays into it, because, you know, if all this, you know, I'm with you on superstition. um, And if it does exist, then, you know, it does be aware of it. But I think there could be degrees as well. Like, let's say there's a bike that something, you know, bad happened with. Like, what was this? The person lies where he was going fast down the neighborhood and the person (laughs) stepped in front. Oh, yes, that's Uh, right. Right. And, And was that Tim? It was my cousin's friend. We did. So, I don't think yeah. we said did, his name. Did he die or the person he hit? The, the person, person he, he hit. Died. Okay. Well, say that, for example. Say he had passed in, in, in that I situation. I killed somebody, which is different than the rider. Yeah, but say, you know, yeah. You, yeah. would you want that bike? Like, would you be like, doesn't matter to me. You know, I'll, I'll I, still. I don't blame the bike. Okay. Yeah. You think, and, yeah. And, and that's how I am, too, is like, it, if it's not the bike's fault, it was just accident or, right, right, or right, right, bad right. luck or what have you or just the person died for some other reason on the bike like I, it's not necessarily the, the bike's fault and that's it, the bike should still be honored in that way too and that person's legacy as well by continuing to ride so let me ask you this do you believe that a bike could carry a curse oh no no it's nothing like that i would say trust your gut instinct if you were going to buy a bike that was involved in like a fatality and you got up to it, and it kind of gave you a funky vibe. I would step away from it. I don't know. Well, yeah, I'm superstitious. Em- Ships are like that. Emma, you and I have been around a long time. Yes, it doesn't really exist here anymore. I'm only twenty nine. But, there, 29, but there, there was a time that we would go to motorcycle junkyards. Yes, go out in the yard and go fishing through, see what you find. Right, and you would have recent, you know, bikes that recently came in with crushed front ends. There might be blood on them. Right, and often I would wonder. Oh, I wonder if somebody died on this one. This looked. Bad. You didn't know. You don't know. But I don't remember ever having an issue taking parts off of it. I mean, that was just a common thing. Yeah, you know. I mean, it 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 was. 
And I don't know whether my point of view has changed as I've gotten older. I mean, I've never made a secret when I when I grew up, you know, I was pretty pretty damn poor and I couldn't always afford new parts. So if you couldn't afford new parts, you know, you went off to the junkyard and you didn't really care where they came from. And yeah, I've seen and most of the time when a bike ends up in a junkyard, they clean it up to a certain extent. But of course, when you start dismantling it, you know, and you, I remember, vividly remember, um, I needed some front fork parts for um, a 550 Suzuki I was tooling around on. And, you know, I was in a junkyard and I was pulling the front end of this part. And in the top triple tree, there were a bunch of human teeth. <gasps> oh, oh, my God. Oh. You know, and they were kind of embedded you know, oh. between the casing for the speedo and the top triple oh. tree, and you know the guy oh. just face planted into it. Oh. Oh, so man. you know, and he, this is so why how we, much, this um, is why we give a warning. How, mu- <laughs> um, how much yeah. did you get him to knock off the price? Uh, you know, the, the, we've seen the, you negotiate. The truth is, you know, the that particular wrecking yard um, had multiple. 550 Suzuki so I just went away and you know did another one and it rattled me then um and it's it it wasn't really tangible you know it's gr- as gruesome as it is but it rattled me and it unnerved me and I didn't like I didn't like the feeling it gave me mm-hmm. um and I guess just as I'm getting older now it's um I don't know it's it's just something that's kind of always always there in the back of my mind well, and that kind of comes to the next question, because all of us here in this room have multiple bikes. <clears throat> now, the question is, what will happen to your bikes if you die? This, Regardless of how you die, just what will happen to your bikes? Now, years ago, like more than a decade ago, I told my mom, because um, she would have no idea, I said, uh, let Douglas decide. He'll know who should get what. And uh, I... I realized I never told him. I told him today. I'm like, hey, did you know that my mom has instructions to to go through you to decide where all the tools and bikes he go? He's is like, the executor I, I didn't, of I your didn't will. Know. I didn't know. I'm like, yeah, I told my mom uh, to go through him. But, you know, I realized, Bagel, you didn't answer the first question, though. Would you oh. ride a bike that somebody died on? Yeah, I, I would as long as it's rideable. You know, okay. it's not damaged. Not an issue. You know, I'm not. I'm not superstitious about that. Now, upon your death, what are the instructions? Who has to deal with all your bikes? Who gets what? Are you asking me? Yeah, I'm asking you, Bagel. I, you know, I've thought about that. I have no idea. This is <laughs> an important point. Point I wanted to bring up. Yeah. This. <laughs> oops, man down. Um, this is something I think it's important for for riders to be prepared for. And in a case of if I was to die, my family would have to deal with all my stuff and they'd know what to do with most of it, but they have no idea what to do with my bikes and stuff. And they're not trying to get money off of me. I'm like, just give everything away. So have you, have any of you had that conversation with anyone about where all your stuff goes? Who gets what? No. 
It's like crickets. Yeah, no, but yeah, no, well, and it's, I, it's a fair it, question. I think a lot of people have I think, it. I think that's the human thing, though, because, I don't know, we all think we're invincible or whatever. Uh, like, yeah. So I, I've actually been going through this with my own parents because when their parents died, they started realizing, like, we need to get all this stuff in order so that our own kids don't have to deal with this. And yet here right. I'm on the other end of it. Like, I'm the executor of my parents' will. But, like, I'm like, you know, yeah, that's a good question because – Okay, like I ride bikes. I have a lot of stuff that they don't know anything about what to do with. Right. So who deals with that? I mean, there's maybe there's an assumption that, well, I've got some friends over here that would know what to do with that. But from a legal standpoint, like they're not involved in that situation at all now. Well, you know, who gets involved is the state. Right, the state just takes right. it. You know, you go into probate. So, yeah, yeah I you don't have I, a will. I thought about it. I did the whole, you know, the will and the the living trust and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, like three years ago, I did it, and for all the reasons, right? And it's probably because of what we've talked because we've talked about it a lot here, and you know, a lot a lot of things to talk about. But one of it is when someone dies. Um, I was around this recently. Not only can it be extremely emotionally devastating and very hard emotionally to deal with, you know, for days or weeks, you know, or longer sometimes, but the business end of death is incredibly a pain in the ass. Yeah, and expensive. Even, even when you have your things sorted out, it's things you don't think about, you know, canceling this subscription or that subscription or a retirement fund payment you may have been doing. And then the, the transfer of money. So one of and what I'd say so there's a lot if you want to go into that whole planning we can but do it for two reasons one is you know half your shit's going to go to the state um, the other is it's going to be a huge burden on the people that you least want to be a burden to during a very difficult time and that's why I think it's good to appoint a friend that your family who's responsible for this can lean on for that specific area. So, uh, you know, it, I had a very, very interesting conversation with Kathy um, the day before I left for Italy, because, I mean, I knew I was riding um, fast bikes through the Dolomites and it'd been a long, long time since I've ridden like that. And when you have a business, you know, the stakes are a little bit higher. And so me and Kathy toddled off to the bank. And um, we sat down with the bank manager, who's a very, very dear friend of mine, Tina. And I said, so, Tina, we're going to put Kathy on the account right now, which we did. And I said, I want you, Tina, to be aware of my instructions just in case I don't come back from Italy. Kathy is going to come in and she's going to empty every single account. And whether that amounts to checks or cash or whatever. And I would like your help for her to do that. And she's just going to walk away from it. Take every single penny out of Motor Town and just walk away from it. And, and it, she was quite happy with that. Yeah. And if you have joint accounts, that makes it really and that, simple. And that's exactly what we did. And I put her on the account for that reason. But there, there were no talk of bikes. So if we, if we dovetail back to the motorcycles, yeah. I'm guessing that if I were to shuffle off my mortal coil... The first person Kathy would call, call is say you and say, well, look, I've got a Superglide and an RF 900 and a Motoguzzi V11 and an XS11 and this and this and this and a Goldwing Turbo in the garage. What do I do with them? Which one do you want me to have? I don't want you to have any of them. Whichever one you died on? <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I mean, I might have a bloody heart attack. You don't know I'm going to die on a bike. So... 
I, I like that idea. I just have a question. Mm-hmm. Now, someone has to sign the title and all that, right? So you're yeah. you're dead. Um, so someone, I think amongst us, we could forge a title. I think that would work. Unless no. you go to the DMV and they're like, oh, wait, that person's <laughs> yeah. fucking dead. No, it goes to the next. Can you file the the death certificate with the DMV? And um, uh, you get the the power of attorney, and there's a legal process. Well, is it that is it without without a will and your trust set up? Yeah. Or does that have to go through probate first? Yeah, it has to go through probate, but so there right, is a system for that. But right there, that system a takes forever, and and b it it takes half your money. So don't think of that as like oh that it'll it'll work, but it makes there, things so complicated. There is yeah. a way around it, if. If you trust your spouse, which I'm sure just about every, if everybody loves their spouse as much as I love Kathy, it's not a problem. And the simple thing is just sign all your pink slips. Well, Don't date them, just sign them. And here's an interesting thing. The vampires, they have a group uh, form that they've all filled out. I don't know how it works, but it says that any one of the other vampires can get a bike out of impound. They're like they've given a certain power of attorney to all of the club members to assist each other because that is something that's happened when somebody hasn't necessarily died, but they're in the hospital and their bike gets impounded. And now that is accruing fees, accruing fees. And I've been on that side where you're trying to get somebody's bike out before it just becomes a you know possession of the the tow lot or non payment when somebody's in it. And a coma. The the system is not set up to help you. No, it's not. It's it's set up to take your money. Which is why it's good to have these conversations and have a plan. Yeah. People don't want to think about death. And 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 just if the, well, it's not the, the easiest conversation, point, is no, it? No, it's not. But we're and, having it now. But think about when you're the last person to die. Like as long like you have a partner or you have a, a family member or uh, that you can leave it to. That's great. But when you're the last person, that's when you want to make it simple so you're not a huge burden on someone because it, it, it is complicated. I would say go to a lawyer. It'll cost you twelve hundred bucks. And you'll have this peace of mind. They'll, you know, you tell what to do with your body, burn that shit up, and put it in a box. Jim, which one of my bikes do you want? I don't. None of them are really that appealing, to be honest. With you. <laughs> yeah, sorry, sorry, Liza. We should do like the grandma's house rule, where you just put your name on a sticker on the bottom. Toast, post-it notes. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe mm. I don't know. Um, I mean, what about you, Patrick? I mean, you're you're. You're kind of in a relationship. Well, of and, and it's it transitioning in a sense to into a more serious relationship. So but what are like, you going to do about it then? Well, that's that's a conversation worth having is like, OK, like what happens if either one of us, you know, pass away or whatever, right. die. And it's like, OK, these things have to be sorted out. You know, who's going to yeah. have power attorney? Is it going to be our own our own? nuclear families like our parents or is it going to be the you know the person i'm in a relationship i mean this is a good conversation for you to be involved in because you're on that brink right now right right you're in because i know you're in a very very serious committed relationship Right. well on on the brink of also going to another level on that right like but at the moment you're basically you still don't have any legal rights to one another right right so well the interesting thing about this and you guys might know is your family can come visit you depending on the paperwork, right? Mm-hmm. Your partner, unless you're you know married and all yeah, that kind of stuff, domestic spouse or from unless, legal standpoint, yeah, unless you know unless you have paperwork, they may not be able to come visit you in the hospital. I mean, we could parlay this into the whole hospital medical care mm-hmm. part of the same document, but there's there's a lot to consider, you know. Um, yeah. So I'm going to share a story. I probably shouldn't 
say on the air, but I'm just going to do it anyway. I have a dead guy bike in my garage right now. And that bike was given to me. The family was just cleaning out the yard and was like, just wanted it gone. It had been sitting there for 10 years since this person had died. I don't think they died on it. It just was, was their bike. Right. <clears throat> and then they reached out to a friend who they knew had bikes. And, hey, do you want this? And then he called me and said, hey, there's a free bike. If you want it, go get it. There's no paperwork. The owner died 10 years ago. So I went and got it. And then I checked into the legal system of how to get the paperwork for it. And I went to the DMV and I told them, this guy died 10 years ago. I've now got in my possession. What do I need to do? They said, okay, here's what you need to do. You need to get the, and this is why they said, you need to get the next of kin and they need to get the death certificate and they need to come down to the DMV and file it with the DMV. And then they need to get power of attorney and then they will get the the title signed over to you, over to them, and then they can sign it over to you. And I'm like, well, that's a whole lot of steps that a family doesn't want to deal with for a bike that's worth a couple hundred bucks has been sitting on the, you know, out in the, in the yard. But I learned a couple things from that conversation. What I learned was the DMV didn't know that he was dead because nobody had filed the death certificate with them about this bike. And so I said, the next thing I asked was, well, um, cause I didn't know who this person was that owned it. So I said, well, can I find out, get the information so that I can contact the family? No, I think a lot of us have been there. You cannot go to the DMV and ask, give a, you know, a, right. the, the plate number and they'll give you all the information. So now I'm like, what do I do? Well, again, I learned some more things from that conversation. Um, one of the things I have learned, and Emma, I'm sure you know this, the DMV cannot give you that information. But if you go online to the DMV and fill out a form and send a check for $5, they will give you that information. <laughs> They'll give you a printout. Huh. And this is designed for shops and yards who a bike right. comes into their possession and they need to they do file a lien. A lien. The first thing you do is you have to request the owner information from the DMV. So let's talk a little bit about lean sales. Well, let me, let me I'll yeah, finish yeah, the story yeah, real quick. Yeah, finish your story. Um, and so I, they also don't ask you to provide a business ID or anything. I just said Recycle Garage, submitted it. They sent me a printout with the owner's information. And I learned something else from that, that his wife was, a, was also a co-owner of the bike. So now here's the part I shouldn't say out loud because I broke a law, but I'm going to do it anyway. I use the same uh, theory that I had writing um, uh, absentee notes in school. Oh, no. My mom always wrote my notes. My dad never did. So when it was me writing the note, I signed my dad's name. So every note on file with my dad's name was my signature. <laughs> and, I, <laughs> and I was betting that she had never signed any of the paperwork at the DMV. So now I had her name. I signed her name onto the bill of sale, went down to the DMV and said, hi, I just bought a bike. <laughs> and it's... Plated and in the garage right now. Can I say, ask which one it is? Uh, sure. Oh, you want to know? Yeah. The Yamaha. Oh, okay. And 
And it, it wasn't like I was stealing. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. but I learned that the system is not really set up to be very easy. And I want to yeah. make it clear, there is a huge difference between my reluctance of buying a bike that somebody died on than buying a bike that somebody died who owned the bike. It's yeah. a huge difference to me. Um, in fact, Kathy is driving a car uh-huh. that the owner died. Dead lady car. Dead lady car. So, um, it took a while to get that smell out, didn't it? Oh God! <laughs> and that was nothing to do with the smell of death. It's just she was a nasty old woman. She really Ooh. was, and chain smoking, and just yeah, it was it was pretty gruesome the inside of that car. Yeah. Um, but I stand by what I said. I'd really, really, really would not like to get involved in a motorcycle that somebody actually died on. Keeping the legacy of the bike alive. And you can call that superstition. You can call it bad juju, whatever. I, I, I tend to fall down with you on that, that side. Unless it, unless it was someone I knew that was like, you know, like someone I considered family. And uh, there was a reason like that. But otherwise, I think I'd have a hard time doing it, too. I think I'd have a little... You know, something in the back of my mind all the time. Well, the next thing I wanted... Can there be a cursed bike? That's what I said. I, well, if two people have died on it, can we agree that that's probably a cursed bike? Maybe yeah. uh, <laughs> Maybe that's when you say, mm, no thanks. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we didn't say, do you have to disclose if somebody had died on it? Or you? I guess you just, you don't have to disclose, but if they ask. You disclose that it's been in a wreck. Well, you know what you hear it a lot yeah. is... Um, my dad died, and he had a bunch of motorcycles. I'm just selling them, right? You know, for whatever, whatever that's a get. completely there's different a, situation. There's a lot of those. Yeah. That's what you were talking about earlier. Yeah, that's a situation where it's it's very different than. Oh, absolutely. And um, um, if you remember right, that that little green Benelli 500 Quattro I had came from Chris Wiggins. Wiggins, who is yeah. currently in Colombia riding oh. motorbikes. Lucky oh. guy. Wow. Um, Was it? Did that? Six-cylinder Honda come from yes. someone that passed away? Yeah, his grandpa. Yeah, that's, yeah, what, yeah. that's what it was, yeah. And, of course, so it's a great, a great example. Ex- <laughs> great example. left it to him. Well, grandpa did not leave a will. And so grandma mm. uh. was scrambling. And there was a verbal agreement from grandpa. And, Chris, if I'm getting this wrong, please forgive me. But I think there was a verbal agreement from grandpa that Chris should end up with one of the CBXs. There were two or three of them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But Chris should end up with this particular one that his grandpa used to drag race. But it was a verbal agreement. And the paperwork on everything was just an absolute hideous mess. And the Benelli, he had to sort out the paperwork from his grandma before he could even bring it down to me. So back to the Honda. When you were laying hands on it, because you went through it, yes. did you get any feeling like Ooh. any nostalgia or superstition? Well, I'm you, no, I might. It, I'm, well, not that he didn't die on it, but that there, you know. No, I mean, it was just, it was a lovely old bike. I mean, when you deal in yeah, old, old bikes, bikes, when you deal in old bikes, um, you know, the guy, the frankly, the guy who bought the XS11 off might have passed away. I mean, when, when me and McCarthy went up and bought that bike, which was like two years ago now, he was in his 80s and he did not look well at all. 
Um, and his wife was like, you know, we need to clear out this garage. And he had an amazing garage. I mean, oh. he had Model T Fords in there and Model A. The kind of old age, that's a whole nother Yeah, thing. but it's, you know, it, and I was going to say, that CBX, I, I got very nostalgic because it's a friggin' CBX. Yeah. You know, what's not to like? Boss. Bagel, yeah. you got any dead guy scooters in there? Not that I know of. Well, you, um, just hold on I'm, there, Bagel. How old is your oldest scooter? Well, uh, that's a good point. The, the 58 or 57, well, 57 parallel, actually, yeah, uh, the original owner did pass away. Couple days. There you there go. It is. Yeah, Just by the nature good. of bikes that are, yeah. you know, 50, 60 years old, people who bought them new, yeah. the guy who bought your Heinke Heinkel new, okay? Yeah, the 65 probably. The 65, too, yeah. because that's not a young person's bike. Mm, yeah, I mean, it was... I, I have no idea what market that they were going for in in the U.S. at that time. So, so right. who knows? You know, I can't but, say I can't see a seventeen, you know, a fifteen, sixteen year old buying it. So yeah. you know, it, it might have been a more know. mature guy. So I guarantee he's probably shuffled off his mortal coil. Yeah, Bagel? maybe it was espionage in Cuba. Oh, it could be. Bagel, spies. If you die, can I have the blue one down at the end? I think is that the one with the the cannonball bite. The cannonball GTS. Yes, yes. Can I have that one? Hmm. Oh, yes, the thing about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I want to get into now another hard thing to talk about. Because um, not all accidents uh, have, you know, cause a death, but maybe they should be. So I'm going to tell a story about three different people who had a similar situation. And I've told some of these stories before, but I realize, you know, over 500 episodes, a lot of people haven't gone back three episodes, 300 episodes ago. So first I'm going to tell the story of uh, Stu's dad and Teddy, which is kind of a lore around here. Um, and uh, my friend Stu, his dad is the one whose bike that he's thinking of selling. That's kind of what started this whole thought process. So uh, the story goes, and, and Patrick, you haven't heard this whole story. It was a crazy night. Um, it is not uncommon if there's a, an accident or if a, a bad accident. And if it's somebody that we know it's involved, um, I'd like to go there to try and figure out what happened and try and gather information. Right. So um, I was with one of the vampires. John was here and, and it was about seven o'clock at night. Maybe some by this time I was like, eight, nine o'clock at night. But the message had gotten through that one of the vampires had been in a bad accident and had been um, airlifted over to Stanford. And we found out because another one of the vampires was a nurse at Stanford and saw his name coming in, just happened to be, right? Um, and so the word spread. And so we first thing we did is we went on the CHP report and you can see um, reports of accidents. And we found one right here on Highway 9, which is going up into the hills here, most common road, and that at like 7, 10 p.m., a um, motorcycle collision with rock. That's all we knew, right? So John and I started uh, driving up 9 to try and like look for signs. And sure enough, we did. We found the signs. And it's amazing when paramedics have come, they or, you know, stripping bandages, doing whatever, and they just leave that trash mm. on the side of the road. Also, the telltale sign you look for are recent scratches, scrapes, because mm -hmm. most bikes leave a scrape. Emma left a nice scrape down my street at one point. Oh, Washington Street. Yes, I, <laughs> I think we measured it. It was like 57 <laughs> feet. Yeah. So, they leave, so you look for the scrape, and um, 
and I'm like, so we're trying to figure out, and from the scrapes, you can actually kind of figure out what might have happened. And over on the side of the road, we found a rock about the size of a basketball. And the report was that, I guess, a rock had rolled down the hill, and oh, he was man. riding at dusk, coming down the road, didn't see it, hit it, and uh, we later found out it bent the front wheel, which caused the front wheel to come to a sudden stop and caused the bike to to go down. I think it the rear end came up or something. It was like yeah, a big road flipped. king. It flipped wow. and slammed him down um, hard. Oh, um, at the time, we didn't know, like, details but like oh that wow he must have hit a rock and crashed so we the next thing we did is we drove over the hill to stanford we're fortunate to have a level one trauma center here Mm -hmm. at stanford a lot of people that we know get lifeline in there which is another reason we have helicopter insurance so uh a lot of the other vampires are starting to gather in the waiting room there and then i ran into another friend of mine who knew this vampire kind of but not really well and Mm -hmm. i was like Oh, hi, hi to my friend. And I, you know, gave her a hug. Like, and she's like, hi, hi. So, so great to see you. Thank you for coming out. And I'm like, oh, uh, hi. Yeah. Uh, I didn't think she knew this, this guy that well. I'm like, yeah, no problem. I'm, of course, I'm here. You know, he's a good friend. And I'm like, how, how did you find out about it? She goes, oh, well, my husband, um, uh, found out pretty quickly. And the, everyone told the family, I'm like, her husband. And I'm like, well, how did it, how does your husband know Teddy? She goes, huh? What are you talking about? I said Teddy, you got in an accident. No, I'm here because my husband's dad crashed his Harley on Highway Nine. And I'm like, wait, what? Your husband <sighs> crashed his Harley on Highway Nine? She goes, yeah. Isn't that why everyone's here? And I'm like, no. Teddy crashed his bike. I thought he crashed on highway night. She's like, no, my husband, his, his dad hit a rock. But the weirdest thing is we went down the road and we looked and we couldn't find the rock. Hmm. I said, I Hmm. think I know why it's in my car. (laughs) Because when we were there, I thought when Teddy gets out of this, he's going to want that rock. And I put it in my car. (laughs) (laughs) right so it was all this confusion so we're like wait so what happened is we realized there were two accidents at nearly the same time within like 10 minutes of each other both of them similar injuries broken massive broken bones and head injuries in a coma and Mm. both life flighted on the same floor of the same hospital sharing the same waiting room so um, after all that confusion, it was just weird. It was just, it's just weird to have that both. So as family members had to come in and this is the thing I wanted to bring up. Family members have to make a decision of what to do. And Teddy's parents lived on the East coast and had to fly and they didn't get there till the next day. And same with Stu's family. They're local, but they were all coming in his sisters and stuff. And the question was being asked of the family. What do you want to do? Do you want to pull life support or not? And in both cases, the doctor said, we don't know what the prognosis is. They've had a traumatic brain injury. We don't know if they'll come out or what they would be like when they come out. What do you want to do? And Stu's family, 
I remember having this conversation with the hospital and Stu said, my dad has always been very clear. He would be happy to die on his bike. And because he was older in his sixties at the time, I believe the family made a decision to pull life support without guilt. It was an easy decision for them. And they did. And, you know, that, that, that was, that was the end. But Teddy's family said, no, do whatever you can. Teddy was in a coma for a couple months. And the weird thing, comas are not at all like what they are on TV. You don't just wake up. You start to come around. You start to, your eyes start to follow things. You start to speak and move, but you're not forming any memory. He has no memory during that time. It took months until he started really forming memory. Um, Teddy did not die that day, and he did recover, though he lost use of one of his arms. It had too much nerve damage. He broke his arms, his legs in multiple places, his ribs. He, it was a it was a bad accident. Um, but Teddy didn't die that day, but he did not die ten years later, and I say from his and from his his injuries. How does somebody die ten years later from a motorcycle accident? Well, Teddy was never really the same again, even though he, I mean, he was Teddy. I mean, he was there, but he wasn't, he had anger issues. He started getting into conspiracy theories and he was a different person completely. And I don't know why, but I remember 10 years later, this was in 2019. Um, the, Actually, Adrian shared this newspaper article that came out. Teddy had moved back east because uh, his parents were helping him out because he couldn't really work. He was going to school and trying to build a life. Teddy walked into a liquor store with a katana, swinging it with his one working arm. Oh. And the liquor store owner pulled a gun out and shot him dead. So it made the news. Crazed man comes in a liquor store with a, waving a katana. They gave the name. Theodore. And I think for all of us who knew Teddy, we knew that was a result of his TBI. Right. Yep. He died 10 years later. And that's really, it's really, it was hard. It was really hard. It was hard for everyone. But I think for me, it was also a little bit of a relief <clears throat> that he was free. Now there's one other person in our community I don't know personally, this happened, um, but a lot of our friends, a lot of the vampires, they know him. And this is James. And a lot of us from back in the day remember James. Um, you remember this bagel, right? Mm -hmm. James oh, yeah. was living his dream to race at the Isle of Man. And James was a monkey in a sidecar. And it costs a lot of money to get over to Isle of Man, especially with a bike and sidecar. And they're doing a practice lap and uh, they got run off to the side and ran into a building. And this is one of the dangers and why this is one of the most dangerous races in the world. And the monkey went straight into the building. James went headfirst into this building. I don't know, 180 miles an hour. I don't know how fast they're going. I really don't know. But he went headfirst and the, the, the driver 
you know, flew, flew off and survived. Um, so James, same, similar situation, uh, traumatic brain injury and many, many broken bones. Um, but sadly, because it was so expensive to go over there, he did not have enough money to buy insurance over there. So the family and friends had to raise $50,000 to get him flown back over here. And it took a couple months to raise the money. Meanwhile, he's, he's getting pretty good care over there in the hospitals. But when you have that many broken bones, you need to get <clears throat> physical therapy if you're going to get regain use of your, your limbs. But somebody who's in a coma can't do physical therapy. So they did get him over, and they brought him over, and by that time it was, it was kind of too late to try and save, uh, get him walking again or anything. He's combative. He's angry. Um, he's still alive today, and this was like 20 years ago. And he now lives in a care facility, bedridden, and he's not able to form new memories. So all he knows is nobody's come to visit him. Even though somebody may have come to see him last week or a couple days ago. So because everyone who went to go visit him, it was very unpleasant visits because he was just angry and mad. Everyone stopped going. And now he's been living for 20 years in a care facility, bedridden. When you look at these three scenarios that were all similar situations and the family had to make a decision. And I'm not going to say who made a right or wrong decision. I don't think anyone can make that, but the fact that Stu's dad was vocal about his wishes, I think was probably the best thing for him. And of those scenarios, I think that that was the best, best way out. Right. So I think this is something that's important to talk about. Again, people don't want to talk about death, but it was a good thing that he did. Well, and again, you know, see a lawyer, get the, what is it, the power of attorney that covers your medical, you know, wishes whether or not to, you know, continue treatment or not. And because I did that with that, you know, I'm fortunate, you know, I got kids and, um, you know, so Jake is the ex- executor of my thing. And it's not like I have a bunch of money, but it, but the things you do have, A, you want to go to people that, you know, and not get taken by the government, but B, you also do, if you don't uh, do not resuscitate, you want people to know that and you want to have, you know, the legal documentation for that. Um, you know, there's a lot of choices that you can give to someone that loves you and knows who you are and they'll follow through because they can be like, hey, I have the piece of paper that says, you know, pull the plug or give him morphine all day long. I think it's great, right? Because I have a piece of paper that says that. Um, and again, it's just very helpful if you have that because a lot of times if you don't, Unless you're a family member, you know, you, they won't even let you see the person. So, again, like yeah. the same, I'm just harping on it, but, you know, do the, get that stuff in writing. Don't be a burden so, any more than you I, have to. Actually, I don't even think you need an attorney to do it. I you, think you don't, really, if you go onto a company like LegalZoom, yes. you can, you can yep. do your own for, you know, 50 bucks. Um, it's, and I have to point out, it's very different for you, Jim, because you have kids. 
Well, and, and we yeah. talked about that earlier today too, is that as you different stages in your life, it changes that decision yes. a lot. Like let's say someone in their twenties right. versus their thirties versus their fifties, sixties. And and, and it, what about a pair of middle aged women like me and Liza who were far too immature well, but, to but ever that have is, children? But that is your call. I'm ask, so what is your call? What is your wish right now for you? That, I mean, that's a really, really good question. Um, I want to make sure that Kathy is taken care of. Well, it that's very, but, very easy because Kathy is co-signer on everything. No, but I I, I'm talking about pull the plug or oh, God, do everything yeah. you can. No, absolutely. Pull the plug. Jim, where are you at right now? Oh, yeah. Morphine and pull the plug. Patrick? I don't know, honestly, because oh, I'm in I'm in that stage yeah. of like it it really depends on the situation. Is it if there's a hope for recovery, maybe try. That, but <laughs> if if that prognosis is like, oh, we don't have a clue what's going to happen, how, but it's probably not going to good. Maybe, well, maybe I, it's how time old to are pull you? the plug. Thirty five. <gasps> no, and you're yeah, still do young, everything yeah. you can. You're still young. I can relate because I was talking because I'll still fight for it. Basically, yeah, yeah. If, well, I can, if I can, I will too. Because I was yeah. telling Jake, I'm like, hey, hon, I don't want to be you know in a bed and all that kind of stuff. So you know, if it's it looks like that, go ahead and pull the plug. You know, and, and I'm and I'm yeah. sorry to put you in that position. She's like, oh, no problem. I don't want to see you like that either. And I'm like, well, you know, a couple of compressions won't hurt. You know, like you know, you don't have to throw in the towel that jump, fast, jump to honey. That conclusion fast. <laughs> Bagel, what about you? Where are you at? You know, I I think that I I'd, I'd like to to have a best effort made to to bring me back. Um, but if I'm gone, you know, let me go. You know, if, if there's like no brain activity, then, you know, that's right. But, that's but kind if, of the end right there. But in the case of all these three, they all had the prognosis was we don't know. Mm-hmm. Only time mm-hmm. will tell. And that's mm-hmm. a decision that a family has to make then. Mm-hmm. And just like you said, I think, yeah, as you get older, the decision is easier. I felt like when I had my 50th birthday, I kind of felt like I made it like mm-hmm. I've had a good life. I'm I'm good now. If I die now, I don't feel like it's a a loss. Mm-hmm. I I've I've done a lot. I've experienced a lot. I told my parents like, "Hey, just so you know, congratulations. You got me to 50. You're done. Like, <laughs> good job." And I definitely felt that I'm okay now. Like, sure. I, I pull the plug. Well, you know, I just want to speak back to Patrick's point about like assess the situation i will say i've got a couple examples in my life recently of a very dramatic uh train uh, uh you know brain damage incidents traumatic brain what do they call it injury tbi yeah and um and they made incredibly remarkable remarkable recoveries like they were put into an induced coma yeah. for three or four months and they're like these people may not open their eyes again and next thing you know when i'm driving a car you know a year and a half later so they are making great headway there. So yeah, don't throw in the towel yeah. too quick. Right. Well, and it's, I, I think when you start looking at like for someone my age too, and, and other people, it's always the same thing is it's like, what are your wishes? And then what are the wishes of your family as well? Yeah. Because that starts to complicate that whole scenario. Like, yeah, Emma, you might like this when Teddy was um, in this coma and they'll open their eyes and look around, but you don't know if there's any processing or recognition. One thing I did was um, I, printed out a picture of his cat from Facebook and I printed out a picture of a cat from the internet. And I went and I held them both up with my left hand and my right hand. And I said, which one is your cat? And he kept looking at the picture of his cat. And I said, he's in there. That was the first time I'm like, he's in there. I used a picture of his cat. 
Right. Nice. Maybe I'll use that on you. Maybe you will. <laughs> so, but what's very, very important in all these stories? Yeah. It's not just the living, it's the quality of life you're going to have. Yeah. And I'm going to tell a story, and it's very, very difficult for me to tell this story. Are so you I sure may you have, want to tell it? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell the story because it's very, very important to illustrate what we're talking about. And I think it's very important for me to tell this story right now. Okay. And it's a story about a friend of mine called Ozzy, or we called him Ozzy. And... Um, Ozzy left us, God almighty, 44 years ago now. And I vividly remember the night it happened. And he had, he had a 754 when we first met. And he just traded it for a Goldwing. And he was riding on the A38. And he, I mean, he was moving. I mean, he always rode quite quickly. And um, a van turned turned in front of him. He just T-boned the van, and so they 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 airlifted him out. And um, he just had the most enormous spinal injuries, just bad injuries to his spine. So they had him face down on the operating table, and they were working on his spine. And what they didn't realize is internal bleeding was so bad, his lungs were filling up with, with blood, and he, he mm. drowned. Mm. He basically drowned mm. on, the, on the operating table. And we've, over the years, <clears throat> I've often thought about, okay, if, if they'd have known and he'd have lived, what would his life have been like and I think the reality is he'd probably never have walked again because his his spinal injuries were that severe mm -hmm. um, and I think the surgeons were fighting just to keep him alive because that's that's the surgeon's job it's not their job to make decisions of whether you should live or die. It's just their instruction is to keep you alive. And there's no real thought about what your life's going to be after they're done with you. It's like if a surgeon has two options and the option one is the patient's going to live and the option two is the patient's going to die, they're going to take the option where the patient lives and kind of damn the consequences. So... Had they known he was drowning in his own blood and he didn't die, um, so we'd have been faced with this young, dynamic guy in his very early twenties. I don't even think he was twenty. Um, we were—I mean, we were so lucky because we had we had access to such big bikes back then, young. And just completely paralyzed from midways down because of massive spinal trauma. And there'd be no hope of ever getting any sensation down there again because it's damage. I mean, it's not its not like, oh, we're going to come up with a cure for this. I mean, it's just everything's well, you're, destroyed. You're describing Wayne Rainey. Right. Who we saw last weekend, who still has a great quality of life. But there's a difference. There's a huge difference. 
and you could i mean you can distill it down to um money and people around you and i mean you've got to remember ozzy was just he was just a working class guy and and this was also a much longer time ago right exactly it was a so it was a long was i mean totally it was different. it was years before wayne had his accident remember yeah. wayne is a motorcycle racer and he was racing for some pretty big guys racing for marlborough he was racing for yamaha he had access to the best medical care and ozzy didn't he just went to the local nhs hospital which back then was good hope in sutton coalfield and you know they did a great job but you know it's it and so It's funny, I, I still think about him every day. There's mm. not a day goes by, because he, he was such a good friend. But I always remember him as this, this, this young, handsome, dynamic guy. Mm. And I'm not sure how I would have... That's how he lives in, right. in me, and he's still alive. In my memory like that. And, you know, I don't know how it would have been if he'd have had to live all these years. Because you're not talking about one or two years. Talking this happened 44 years ago. And 44 years to live as a paraplegic or maybe even a quadriplegic. It's a damn long time. Yeah, you know, I, I I think this kind of pivots a conversation into another thing about motorcycling is is we all have, you know, I think it's people that love us, and you know, motorcycling by definition is a high risk activity, mm-hmm. and you know, should we pass or become you know in a coma, what have you, you know, we're not really aware if we're dead. Hey, we're we're dead. We're in a better place. Did, but the impact on the people right. around us, yes. is there a responsibility there? And I would argue, yeah. Death is far harder for people around you than it is for you. For sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you live on with massive injuries. That's also. It's hard, but it's hard on you as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I'm not sure what I would wish. <laughs> I know what I'd wish for myself and for myself, if, if I wrecked hard and you know, you, you get a a snapshot, a glimpse into the future and say, okay, you're going to have this big wreck. You're going to, you're, you're going to wreck your bike and you're going to get a choice. I'm going to give you a choice right now. And one is you're going to die at the scene or number two, you're going to live on. With massive injuries, which may include, you know, having psychotic behavior and getting killed by a liquor store clerk. Well, and, and being a burden on people those that love you. you because they're going to love you and care for you. But you, you I know which I'd choose right now. Situation. At 35 years old, I don't know what I'd choose. Well, I can actually say my thoughts on that is the the TBI being impaired in the brain is a lot worse than being impaired in the body. And I don't have a problem living 
as a quadriplegic or paraplegic, as long as my brain is there, that's the one for me. If I am still there and Jim can just put me in a wheelbarrow and wheel me around. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, we have a, we're like staple <laughs> but, coasters. To but yeah, feet. but that is hard. And, and then again, just bringing it back around, our families have to make these decisions. Our loved ones have to make these decisions for us. It's not easy. So be as vocal as you can with those and let them know what their wishes are. Right? Right. So it wouldn't be a podcast without a game. <laughs> I've come up with a game. Oh, goodness. <laughs> The death um, game. Oh, goodness. This is called the dead phrase game. Oh, God. Now, here's how this is going to work. Rather than pitting you against each other or keeping any kind of score, I've decided you guys are going to work together as a team to try and solve the riddle. I want you all to come together. That's what this is about, right? So what I've done is I've come up with a common phrase that has the word dead in it. And I've changed all the words using synonyms. And you have to guess what the original phrase was. Okay? So I'll give you the first one. This is an easy one to help you go in. Shout it out and share your thought process, your guesses. You are all working together to get through this. Okay? Okay. So this first one, this common phrase. But plug. Another way of saying it would be perished finish. Dead last. Dead end. Dead end. That is correct. I like mine. Dead last. No, that is good. Fit, okay, yes. got it. All right. This next one. Bereft of life like a portal fastener. Like a what? Portal fastener. Life is but a vapor. So remember, the word dead is in all these phrases. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dead as a doornail? That is it. Oh, nice. A portal <laughs> fastener. Oh, it's oh. a door now. Oh, you're clearly very oh. good at this, Bagel. Okay, <laughs> no, I'm a linguist. <laughs> all right, I think I think Emma, you have a good chance at this. Cunning one. linguist. Just, just all right. All right, are you ready? <laughs> Cadaverous bell clapper. Cadaverous bell clapper. Cadaverous bell clapper. Look at Bagel's thinking really hard too. Dead clapper. Dead. Dead clapper. Dead ringer. Dead ringer. Dead, Dead ringer. ringer, nice. Yeah. Dead, Dead ringer. Ding, ding, ding. There it is. Patrick, jump in anytime. I, I'm still thinking here. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Maybe I'm showing my age. He's like, know. dude, I'm 35 and <laughs> invincible. <laughs> Why am I here? <laughs> Why did I get myself in? <laughs> All right. This next one. Expired loss. Now. Um, so expired old. Well, old, outdated. One of these is dead. So, well, I'm, I'm, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just dead. trying to help you. Okay, <laughs> thanks. Dead. Uh, out- Another word for for loss. Say it again. Um, loss. Emma, no watching videos during watching the game. Over there. Jeez. No, I would. Um, All right, I'm, uh, say it again. Say it again. Expired loss. Expired. I'll give you a clue. Dead. If 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 if. If somebody else won and you've lost, they did what to you? Deadbeat. There it is. Okay. We're oh. It. Okay. All right, Patrick, you have a chance with this one. Jeez. Let's give him a second to try and guess this <laughs> you, one. Are you ready? No, you're on the team, Patrick. Lifeless hominid pedestrian. I got it. <laughs> Lifeless <laughs> my prison hominid days. pedestrian. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. Dead, dead man walking. There it is. There we go. <laughs> well done. All right. Yeah. This is one. I was doing this test on my family. No one could get this one, so we'll see. Extinct from Twilight. Extinct? Dead sunset? Twilight. Uh, dead vampire? Dead of night. There it is. Dead of night. Yeah. Well done. Okay. You guys are catching on. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, pushing up daisies for free. Dead gift. Um, dead. No. Pushing up daisies yeah. for free. Dead gratis. Um, dead gardener. <laughs> <laughs> dead pansies. Well, let me help you out. The, the pushing up daisies. Is dead. You already got yeah, that. Yeah. So for free. That's all you're trying to figure out. Another word for for free. That would follow. Dead, dead. donation. Dead. You're getting closer. Organ donor. You get. Come on. You're getting uh, so close. Dead. Dong. <laughs> That's like um. Dead giver. Dead. Donor, dead giveaway. Dead. There it is. Well done, Emma's. I'm wondering how many off. people were just screaming at their radio. <laughs> I'm sure they were. A bunch of no, they don't. Simians over here. Liza, they d- people don't listen to us on radio. All right. <laughs> <laughs> on the radio, Graham. Tune us in. Oh, tune us in on the radio, Graham. AM six. I do 6090. in my car. Oh, do you tune in on the radio, Graham? All right. Passed away amendments. Dead paper. Dead laws. Dead changes. Dead. Dead to rights? There it oh, is. nice oh. one. Good one. All right, two more. Recently returned from not living. Back from the dead? There it is. All right, we got one last one. I wonder how listeners are doing so far. All right, Emma, I'm going to try on this one. Okay. okay. Fallen inanimate beauty. Drop Dead Gorgeous. There it is. Nice. Ding, 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 ding. And that is the dead phrase game. Okay. I had to, I had to throw a game oh in my. here. <laughs> That's big. Oh, you could have dead oh wood. Oh, my. So, all right. The next thing uh, I want to talk about is uh, glorious deaths and horrible deaths. Is there such thing as a glorious death on a motorcycle? And I live, I, I die, I live again. Well, uh, I don't know if I would describe Stu's dad's death as glorious, though he always said, if I die, I hope I die on my bike. Um, But there are some that I think do qualify as glorious. One of them was the year we got, we were at uh, AMA Vintage Days. Uh, Was that the year you guys, uh, Bagel, you were there, right? And and everyone, you know, I remember they were saying, 2018 or 2019. Yeah, something like that. Uh, A rider had gone off the track. Ryder had gone off the track, and when they got to him, he was dead. But he didn't die from the crash. They believe he had a heart attack in the middle of the race and just passed out and which, which went like, off the track. Like we were talking, may not be that terribly uncommon. Not that it's what common, did, right. but it's certainly not unheard of. Didn't we have a group of senior riders through here a few years ago yes one they of were traveling had, they were traveling and one of them had had a heart attack going up um towards and they had to transport bonnie do yeah something like that yeah and i know that that happened um i know michelle had had some guests at her hotel 
and then it happened mm-hmm. to one of them and they were wow. all like having to deal with it. Um, I also know I won't I won't say the name, but somebody who's been on this show, their mm-hmm. husband, same thing, just mm-hmm. doing errands, coming home and found on the side of the road dead. Mm-hmm. And they think that he had a heart attack and yeah. just went off the road yeah, and could, fell over. I could be totally wrong. Did one of the Dunlop brothers end up in the mm-hmm. woods racing anyway? Maybe not. So that could be, I think, described as a glorious death on a motorcycle. Yes. Well, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, I'm very, very hesitant to to weigh in on this at all because the truth of the matter is, there's not a single person alive who is able to say what is going on in your mind when you die. True, but I'm using my own personal wish and like you if know, i'm to we, die on my bike that seems like a glorious way to go i hope i mean yeah i know? don't I, for me to, that's to, to, to my, me i am like i not having had a heart attack or anything but it's like it doesn't seem like it's very glorious or enjoyable in any way shape or form uh, death usually me, isn't me, well but you know i don't glorious maybe isn't the best term here but okay at least maybe that person they were doing something they loved when that time came yeah and i'm just going to say we established it at the beginning it's different for everybody. Oh, this sure. is my right. words that I am using, right, right, my right, opinion. Right, right, right. But everybody has <clears throat> different opinions here, and there is no right or wrong answer. So um, I did want to share uh, some deaths that I've known of that were, I would say, horrible. Um, one of them, I remember years ago, this was back in Atlanta. My friend was riding her vintage bike on the freeway. And she said a couple squids on sport bikes just shooting past her, like doing like 120, just ridiculous, right? But she pissed her off. And they got off and did one of these overpasses that goes up and over and connects to another freeway. And uh, so they passed her. And then she's coming up this overpass because she's also doing the same exchange. And she sees skid, a skid mark and she sees two bikes and one rider. And the one rider is looking over the edge. Oh, man. Yeah. They went too fast. One of them couldn't make the turn. He hit the guardrail and he flew over and dropped down. I don't know how many, you know, 100 feet. I don't know how high that was. Landed down below and got run over by cars. Mm. That's a horrible death. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, I don't Glorious I, is a tough one. I mean, because a lot of motorcycle boy. deaths are accidents. Yeah. And they just yeah. they just plain suck. And you just nothing glorious. You yeah. just don't know. Um, I you know I mean it's 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 an awful subject. When when I go, I I don't want to be in massive pain. Mm-hmm. If I could wish for something, I wouldn't want to be in massive pain. I wouldn't want to be absolutely terrified. And it strikes me that certainly in that. Scenario, he would be both. That's why. Oh, gotta, and it, especially for that person, yeah. If you're flying through the air, it's like you've got some time to to yeah. to, to process because it's like having been an accident myself. Mm-hmm. It is. It's like time slows down and mm-hmm. you see everything in, in very absolute focus, mm-hmm. right? And, and it's and, like if and, you're flying through the air, it's like oh, you know, this is not going to go well. You know, and and hard as it is for me to talk about it, if go back to my friend. Who the hell knows what was going on in his head mm-hmm. yeah. and how aware yeah. he was? Mm-hmm. 
of how injured you are. Mm-hmm. And that kid, when did he actually die? When he was flying through the air of shock? When he hit the pavement below? When he was hit by the first car? When he was hit by the second car? When he was right. hit by the third car? Mm. And even yeah. when your body is so destroyed, it's died, your brain doesn't just switch off. Mm-hmm. It kind of spools down. Yeah. So you you may be completely aware that you are done. Yeah. yeah. And you just have well, time to process and, it. And it's I mean, possible it's an or- you accept it at that moment. Well, you know, I mean, you know, to try it, try and put a more positive spin on it, because I don't want to be sort of little miss doom and gloom yeah. with this, is I've spoken to so many people who have been with their father or their grandfather or their mother when they passed away. And they've said, you know, just when they actually went, it was just such a beautiful and peaceful thing. Um and I think that's what I'd wish for me. I mean, and and I know that I've I've heard stories of this where people have been in accidents and things, and they're like, they're like the accident happened, and I woke up on the ground, like their brain just stopped yeah. processing for a moment because it knew mm-hmm. it was about to go through something so traumatic. It just like I can't, I just mm-hmm. can't process. I would that yeah. to me would be one hope that I might have is like if that was happening is like okay, the brain maybe accepts like it's time to stop. Not knowing what's on the other side, but, you know, because it's, there's no way you're going to be able to deal with that trauma. So I can tell you that when I was 17, I had an accident on the freeway. And it's one of the things that I've always bothered. It's always bothered me. There was that moment that I went into a high-speed wobble that I knew I was in trouble. Everything slows down. And then that thing where your life flashes before your eyes. I was 17. My life flashed before my eyes, which that has never happened to you. It's like uh, getting a check or your, your bill of here's a summary of everything you've done. Boom. Here's your, it, it's weird. And then nothing until I was looking at my toes hmm. and realized I was sliding down the freeway. But that moment that I got slammed down onto the road and then at some point, I know I was sliding my arm because I had road rash. I was wearing a t-shirt. Oh. <laughs> and then I spun around and I was sliding in my ass. So I don't have any memory of that moment. And I wasn't knocked out or anything. Right. You 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 just don't have it anymore. Like, yeah. it, you probably it saw it, but your brain's just my like, nope. Brain, not it might have happened so fast. So I just want to share one more horrible death that also happened here locally. I don't know this writer, but this was this was years ago. Uh, Jim, you know up near like the Summit Store, I think there's a Christmas tree farm up there. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, it was another situation with a guy on a sport bike going a little too fast. And there was a van with a family, picked up a Christmas tree, pulling out of the driveway. And they pulled mm. right in front of him. He swerved to go into the other lane to get around them as they punched the accelerator to get out of the way. And Mm. there the two met head on and he went through the windshield into the van where there was a family in there. Mm. Oh my God. This is horrible for so many reasons because the family has to live with that. I do not remember 
if any of the family members were killed. It was it was tragic. It was tragic all the way around. Yeah. Tragic, tragic, tragic. Um, and the only reason I tell these stories is because speed was a factor in both of these. And there were a lot of people affected by this. A lot of people affected. And that's just, I want people to just to remember those things. And I hope that people remember certain people they know who've died and maybe Emma, maybe you carry a piece of that in you and maybe every now and then you go, maybe I'll dial it back a little bit when you're thinking of Ozzy. Does that ever come up? Um, I dial it back, but my memories of him are very, very different to that. Okay. It's, it's never, he's, he's never saying ratchet it back, Emma. Mm-hmm. Um, cause that's not kind of what he was like. Um, God, it's been such a long time. That's what I, that's why I think about some of these, even people I didn't know. Right. I think about that as a reminder Um, and sometimes to just dial it back. I know you've told me this story before, and I think it might be appropriate for you to tell it now, Liza, is the girl with the FC1 and the fish hook. Yeah. Crystal. Oh, yeah. Crystal. And, um, Crystal was somebody who I did not know personally, but it was right before I moved here, but I knew a lot of her friends. And again, it's the vampire, which is the riding community here, the vampires. Crystal had always said that she liked to ride fast and she was on the fish hook. The fish hook here in town is a freeway exchange that is like a cloverleaf kind of thing, except it's elongated. So it has a very tight turn at one point. It tightens up the radius. Yeah, Yeah, decreased radius. So apparently she was on that. Um, carrying a little bit of speed, um, she high sighted and got thrown into a signpost, like a four by four signpost. And um, the first person to stop was a young woman who was a college student here at UC Santa Cruz, who held Crystal in her arms while she died. Crystal's friends and family, her her mother and and stepfather rode. Um, they were all very, very affected. And gosh, she was young, early 20s, I believe. Um, the young woman who stopped and held her while she died, the father of that young woman wrote a letter to Crystal's mom to let her know that his daughter had been taking lessons, learning to ride to get her motorcycle license. And after that incident happened, she decided riding wasn't for her and the father was grateful that she came to that decision because he didn't want her out there riding a motorcycle taking that risk because he feared for her life and wanted crystal's mom to know that her end of life changed the path that this young woman was on and she affected a lot of people and I have a photo of her up in the garage and I tell her story every now and then because I want people to remember because I moved here as this community was crushed because she was a very vibrant, um, beautiful person. They were all feeling the loss. Um, and ironically, Jake was a recipient of her boots. Yeah. I got, I still have them in my oh. shop actually. Yeah. Yeah. I her stuff was given out to people and, 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 well, and I, I've heard you tell that story a couple of times, and I think the reason you tell it is always the same is it's not just about you. Yes. You know, your actions have 
huge consequences on the people around you. You know, I mean, some of us have kids, some don't. Um, but, you know, for those, of the, as those of us that have kids, you can't lose it. Imagine losing a child. Um, so, you know, just it's a good reminder. I mean, we all take that risk. And I think all of our families and friends right. know that we would live no other way. But every now and then, back to your thing, I do dial it back every now and then. Because right. it's easy for us to become complacent. I've noticed recently in some road trips I've done where you're, you, you just take a, you get a little more risky and a little more risky. And before you know it, you, you know, you're maybe you're going a little too aggressive or what have you. But there's times where I think about my family and friends and I do reel it back a, a wee bit. Yeah, I'm kind of, I'm kind of thinking of our ride back from Alice's restaurant, Jim. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, I've been doing some of that lately. I, well, some bikes just beg to be ridden fast. What are you going to do? The jigs are just... Yeah, I was coming I back from Los Alamos yesterday, um, Friday, and it was like, oh, my God. But I think... I. I think the motorcycling community, um, certainly around here, is so tight. And, um, you know, we rely on each other so much. And my one fear with the Misfits is a death of one of us, of the core group. And we don't need to know who name the names who they are. I think would affect us all far more than we realize. I think it really would. for sure. And I think we also at the same time would understand that that person, you know, has no, the dead person doesn't, didn't have a problem dying on their bike. Um, But something Liza told me a while back was share with your friends and family that do not ride motorcycles, that if you die on your bike, you're cool with that. You know, you're going to be sad, but don't be that sad. So I had to go out, you know, that's how I would like to go. Whether or not it's the truth, but at least comfort your family and friends with that. Yeah. So I got one final question for the group. And this is a simple question. Um, have you ever had that feeling that you shouldn't ride that day? And do you listen to that feeling? I, yeah. I, I'll, I'll, yeah. So I've had that feeling going on for a couple of years, actually. So, um, that's part of the reason I started investing in, in more more gear uh, specifically. Uh, and I actually had an accident about two months ago, a month and a half, two months ago. That morning, I had that feeling in the back of my head the entire time. Mm. Like, this is not, I should not be riding right now. It was wet. It was rainy. So you went down on 17? <clears throat> I went down on the 17. Which is probably mm. one of the scariest, not the scary, but it's definitely a scary road to go down. Right, right. I mean, right. there's trees, guardrails, and it's, curves, and, and Yeah, it's like barriers. that, that, that feeling was in the back of my head. I mean, it had been going on for years, but I still rode, you know, still, still did it. Now I've had an accident. That feeling's not in the back of my head right now, even though I recently had an accident. Because it's like, it's almost like, oh, you got it out of my system. Maybe I got a couple more years now. (laughs) How funny, because usually you get kind of the opposite reaction where it's like, you're cool, have an accident, then people get spooked for a little while. So it's cool to hear the opposite. And I I think it's, yeah, because it's like, I was expecting to be spooked and I'm, surprisingly not and i think partially because like okay the gear did exactly what it's supposed to do you know hopefully that doesn't mean i get into the complacency of thinking that i can just keep going that fast i'm curious because i I ride that road daily where did you crash like what happened i was i was coming out of what big moody's turn yeah yeah yeah. as you you come out you're starting to go uphill a little bit and so you have that you have that left i was heading north north, yeah yeah and 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 that's where the water comes across the road too yeah and so as as best i can tell it's my front tire it it hit one of those big painted arrows in the middle of the lane and i just lost traction there you go 
Yeah. Yeah. So where did you, how far but, did you slide and what did you end up in? I think I estimated, I, so it was, it was low side, went down, I th- estimated about 200 feet of sliding down yeah. the highway. Um, wow. This way 17 is no joke. And it's, yeah. And it's like, I, I came to a dead stop in the right hand lane <clears> and because of my gear, it works a while. I was able to actually get up. And had I not done that, I had about maybe thirty seconds before here come trucks and cars at four in the morning. Yeah, oh, yeah. And they oh, in the just dark. barely, oh. barely missed hitting the bike multiple times because it was stuck because the chain got jammed up into it, so it was just stuck in the oh, lane. Man. Um, oh man! So yeah, I was just sitting on the off the side of the highway. I jumped over the concrete wall like I'm standing yeah. in this shit. That whole thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Man. You know, I I. Surprisingly enough, I never have days like oh, you know, I shouldn't be riding the bike. But I found myself in situations while I've been on a ride. And I've been, you know, like on 85 or 87 or something or even 101. I'm like, the way this freeway is right now and the way the traffic's moving, I need to get off this right now. Right now. You know, it's just the the way things are moving on the freeway and you get this real feeling of dread. You know, it's and all. What was that film? Final Des- Final Destination, and you've yeah. you'd, there's a lot of traffic, and it's moving in a certain way, and it's moving very, very quickly. And you realize if you just introduce one element, and it, it would it would be a very, very bad situation. I think it's, it's tricky because I I I know that feeling, and Jim, I bet you do too. If you're commuting into the bay on a regular basis, like especially rush hour traffic it's like oh this is bad but it's like okay it's time to back off a lot see for me and and consider how i'm going to split lanes or just not split lanes for a while mm -hmm. just to to putt through this thing for me that feeling isn't while i'm riding it's the morning of Mm -hmm. there are times jim where have you do you recall me ever saying that to you Mm mm-hmm I'm not. I'm. I'm not feeling it today. Yeah, usually, you want me to lead yeah. that kind of. And a thing. so, and yeah. that is something that's really nice. There are times I'm like, and all that. I'm not feeling it today. Why don't you lead? I'm just going to follow and take it easy because mm-hmm. something doesn't feel right. And it's yeah. really nice to be able to have somebody to follow and let them take that lead when you yeah. have that feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, and, and that's that's important to listen to because yeah. if if your head's not in it, you're not going to be operating that bike at you know, uh, optimum efficiency, you know, your, your reaction times are going to be slow. You're not going to be as attentive. You're not going to see the things that are coming that could endanger you. So when you're, you're feeling that, that it's not, you know, it's it's a time where you you don't feel like you're in the right place to be riding. I think it's important to listen to that. And I, when I'm feeling that way, I, I do listen to it and I don't go for a ride. Right. Um, you know, and 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 like you said too, like there are times when you're on the road where you get just the sense that something is there's danger around you, and mm-hmm. you need to get out of it. Um, but that reminds me also of the time you remember, Liza, when we were riding back on Highway 80, mm-hmm. and that car pulled out in front of me when we were lane splitting. Yeah, I I for some reason I had a sense that that car was going to do exactly what it did, like a split second before it happened. And, and just something made me aware, like, I don't know, maybe it was something the way the car was moving and just getting over to the lane a well, little we bit. We were on comms too. I remember. Yeah. 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 And these and, are little things. And a lot of people say, oh, it's six cents. And it's not. It's just when you've been riding for a long, long time, 
There's the yeah. tiniest, most interesting, in, in, indescribably small cues that yep. give you an indication. may just be the way the wheels are on a car or the way the mm-hmm. driver's head's turned or, you yep. know, just the way the car's positioned in the lane. And it's imperceptible to a lot of people, but when you've been slugging it out there for 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, you're like, that car's going to pull out in front of me. Well, Bingo. I'm just going to say, I'm not a superstitious person. I'm not a religious person. But the one thing I do lean towards is if I have that feeling that something's not right, don't ride or, or change something. <laughs> uh, that's the one thing I'm like, I don't, I don't know where it's coming from. Or, or I don't know. I don't know if it is uh, my grandmother mm-hmm. trying to send me a message. Like I don't, <laughs> I don't know, but I don't question it. I trust it. And the message I want everyone to hear is trust that it's yeah. okay to say, I'm not feeling right that today. I'm yep. it's okay. Oh, it's like full on ancient survival reflex shit, dude. Your, your gut instinct keeps your ass alive right. and you don't need to understand why. And a, and a slightly yeah. more pragmatic thing. If you feel like crap, if you've got a cold oh, or yeah, the flu, sure. Take the friggin' Prius or whatever yeah. else oh. shitbox you're driving, That's you know, because advice. you need all your faculties, especially if you're a spirited rider. Mm. You need to be in oh, yeah. good shape to ride it. You know, funny, we talk about street riding all the time where I've encountered this a number of times and something because I am superstitious, right? Not crazy, but I am. And it's in the backwoods, like in the backcountry, I'll be riding somewhere and I'll get to a certain place. Sometimes it's animals. Sometimes it's people where I get wicked spooked. There was a... There might be a cave. Yeah, well, yeah. (laughs) Abandoned mines and that kind of stuff. But it's real. Like sometimes I I end up in a meadow and it's like, oh, it's the most beautiful thing. You know, like a John Muir kind of described meadow with grass and trees. And then you're like, I feel like there's a bear watching me right now or a mountain lion (laughs) up in a tree right above me. And it's, it's usually me just getting myself excited, I think, but it does happen, right? No matter where you're at. So just to your point, you know, listen to that. It's real. Exactly. So there you go. That is the death episode. I feel good. I think that we shared a lot of things. Well, I, I, I got through it, which surprised me, but you know what? I feel like this might be a two parter. Mm-hmm. Because there's a whole nother side of this that we didn't discuss. So I think, oh. Emma, for for the next time, one one of the things I had was what causes the death of a bike. Because mm. the death of a bike is a whole nother thing. Uh, yeah. Patrick, have you been the cause of the death of a bike? Uh, not yet. I I haven't. Jim, have you? I got, I got some stuff on life support. I, and, but and, resurrected and so cryo. far. What's that when they freeze it? Emma? Yeah, well, it's oh, like, I got a well, bike like that now, too. <laughs> many times, but, you mm. know, peripherally, because okay. I'm in that profession where I'm the one who says it's ah, the end. Like a horse. Sometimes you got to put it down. You're, you're so I want to talk about that. I mean, what what causes the death of a bike? You think about how many of a certain model of bike, SV650, have been made, and where did they all go? How do they come to their death? Have you been responsible for the death? I believe the death can be either from being totaled from an accident and going off to the junkyard or people who love it so much they let it rot in their yard till it's not worth 
resurrecting. Or so, they bury oh, themselves yeah. and rot right alongside <laughs> And it. there's that. Then we didn't even get into the whole funeral. People bury themselves with their bikes. There's so much to this. I think this might be a two-parter. So we're going to save all that because we do have some emails to catch Okay. Up Bagel, you have a couple there, yes? Yes. Get them queued up. And uh, I have one here. Um, this is from our friend Clunin. Clunin is one of the old uh, misfits uh, from ba- back in the day here at the garage. He's he's a nut job. Hey, Clunin. He says, hey, all misfits. Hope you had fun at the one show. Sorry I didn't get a night banana. I had to work way up in what is uh, usually called North, cold north Idaho. But I have a story. I'd like Bagel to read it in an Idaho cowboy accent, please. Well, Bagel's not getting this one because he's got another accent he has to work on. A couple of days ago, I took a walk in the wonderful early spring, 85 degree day that it was when I came across a dude who looked road ridden and said he needed help getting his old shadow VLX 600 off his truck ramp. I jumped in and when we got it done, I then kept walking to my friend's house with a beer in hand down the alley. He then shouted at me, threw a pack of smokes at me. I threw them back at him and said, knees in the breeze, baby. Then I noticed the seat said Corbin. The seat was booty trashed, like bad. He let me ride it. It wasn't my booty, but I, it still held up. He told me he got it there 10 years ago. Love the podcast, dudes. If I still lived there, I'd be there every Sunday. Huge shout out to Liza for starting such a rad thing as a recycled motorcycle garage. And Emma, so jealous of not seeing them boobies. Oh. Love, peace, and engine <laughs> grease from Clunin. Peace and in- engine <laughs> grease. I like that. Isn't that funny? You know, I think there there might be a picture of my boobies online oh, somewhere. Oh no, that's that's a whole nother level of Patreon. <laughs> no, I mean I think I I think somebody took that's a picture a hundred a month of level. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. But the, yeah, they they were out and enjoying the sun. Uh, Bagel, you want to read one of yours? Yes. Uh, this email says, uh, "Dear Misfits." I hope you're all swell. New <laughs> listener of the show ever since I, just before I started riding my first motorcycle, uh-huh. 2019 Kawasaki W800. Oh. That's about a month and a half ago. Oof. I love the community you guys have created on the show. I sincerely hope I may leave the Swiss mountains for a vacation and visit the garage in a year or so. Where the hell is this guy from? <laughs> Switzerland. He just said. Schweiz? The Swiss Schweiz. mountains. Switzer. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and uh, he wants to come yeah, visit the garage. Yes. In the meantime, I'd love to hear your thoughts. I was listening to podcast 518 about the mod cycles, which reminded me my brother owns a vintage beige colored Vespa. When he bought it, she was a runner. Today, she hasn't been used since 2012, <laughs> and Lord knows where it's been rotting away. Last I checked, it was simply leaking oil. His intention, clean it up and keep it as a piece of art inside his house, never to be ridden again. Oh, death of a bike right there. Apparently, a lot of people love to do that, be it with motorcycles or scooters. I find it is a shame in most cases. These machines have got wheels on them for a reason. (laughs) Next year, I will be restoring a 50cc Casal Confersil from 1977 with my father-in-law. He's a mechanic in Portugal. Yeah, I was going to say Portuguese bike. That's the domestic product. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully I can convince him and my brother to get the Vespa restored too. What do you guys think? Are motorcycles, stompers, and other two-wheelers meant to be used as deco as much as they are used on the road? 
Are they supposed to stay inside, stuck in a cage like a bird with no fuel? I mean, wings? I'll just continue my ride as it stopped pouring rain. I look forward to your reply. Take care and keep being rock stars. Cheers from a Belgian man in Switzerland, Alexis. Ah, I'm going to share with Alexis a very spirited conversation I had four years ago, five years ago now, with the late Neil Jameson, God rest his soul. And we always struggled for real estate at the Jameson Museum. We always had more bikes than flooring. And a customer came in, you know, to the museum and said, well, what you want to do is mount them on the wall. And both me and Neil talked about it and vehemently disagreed. I think that was me. Because we figured out once a bike was cantilevered up and bolted onto the wall, it had never come down. Well, And that would be the end of it. I'm going to say, though, that's okay compared to leaving it in a yard. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, it's... it's, If it's in stasis, it is not getting any worse. True. I mean, look at that Curtis hanging up in SFMC. That's worth so much money now. That was donated when it didn't really have much value, and it's been hanging in the club, and now it's worth like hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah. And it's being not maintained, but it's not getting any worse. Yeah, yeah, preserved. Yeah, yeah. And... In, in that sense, yes, it's better than letting it sit outside and rot. <clears throat> but but my thought is, you know, a, a Vespa is not that oh, hard oh, like, to oh, get geez. running. Thank you. So, you know, it's, it, 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 it's a bike that was intended to be ridden. It's not super rare. Uh, at least I'm assuming this one's not super rare. I didn't say which model it is. But, you know, I would say fix it up. Have fun with it. You know, use it for what it was intended for. Yeah, you know it's death trap. Oh, every other scooter. But I I was going to say, if if you if you really want a piece of art, there are plenty of uh, bodge jobs that came from Vietnam that look really really pretty, and you can put one of those in your in your front window if you like, and look at that all day long because that's not something that you should be should be riding (laughs) because it's just not safe. Yeah, I I agree. Get get it on the road if you can, but if you yeah. If you, I know that there are like architects who want to have a Ducati in there or something. I'm okay with that. Look, Jocelyn had that, what, RZ350? Yes. That was art. Yeah. It was art. Yeah, it was. In, in her house. We've known a couple of people that have done that. I'm, I am okay with that. I have a problem with people who leave abandoned out in yards. Well, and there's some bikes yeah. that, you know, other than like an arm a day or a special track day, shouldn't be ridden. If you've got a, a, a championship two-stroke race bike from, you know, the 70s or 80s, maybe you don't just keep it on a side stand in your garage. Maybe you do put it in your, if you have a house big enough, it would take up my entire living room. But that's an okay thing to do. Well, okay. All right. Uh, Bagel, I stole your second email and I gave it to Jim. Okay. All right, what you got, Jim? Because it requires no accent, thank goodness. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a little bit of Mexicali. That's about, about it. Hey, Misfits, uh, this is from uh, Todd Burdett. Hey, hey Todd. Todd. Uh, hey, Misfits, love the podcast. Just left a good review on Apple Podcasts <gasps> because the one-star review you recently got is way off base. Thank you, everyone who's so he, done that. He gave us two and a half. It's <laughs> <laughs> no more than double. Uh, thanks for being funny, informative, inclusive. Very important and generous with your time. 
The motorcycling world is truly a is truly better with you nut jobs wacka wacka sharing your thoughts and experiences every week. <laughs> Regarding the renaming of scooters, yes. How about oh, no. the old Velo? Velo. No. Velo. Velo. Oh, you could say no. Velo if it was Spanish. Velo. No, no. Well, before you poo poo. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I gave it to Jim. For you poo-poo, it's the French word, parlez-vous, uh, for a uh, bicycle, bicycle yeah. but it's also right, Latin. Scooter. It's Latin for speedy. Oh. Yeah, so it doesn't really apply to scooters either. So, <laughs> that, uh, so anyway, that's it. But it, um, it could be great with uses like, hey, Bagel, how do you like your new Velo? <laughs> I think we already know the answer to that question. No. Hey, hey, Emma, you look so sexy on that Lambrella, Lambretta Velo. With a top box full of gummy dicks. <laughs> I'm not sure if I was very impressed I'm, either. I'm not against the idea. <laughs> uh, on another note, I have a serious question. I can't stop looking at the new Fantic Caballero 700. It's an Italian-made scrambler with the Yamaha CP2, CP2 engine that is in the Tenere 700. Mm-hmm. It's so gorgeous and I dearly want one, but no dealers in the USA. Any advice or warnings on trying to get a bike like this imported? Oh, gosh, I don't think you'd ever be able to register. Thanks for the weird and funny. Todd. Yeah. The big problem with importing a bike to the States. um, It has to be of a certain age or mileage to be able to bring it in. Right. And California is its own thing, so we're not even going to deal with this. Um, I mean, I remember being absolutely crushed very soon after I, I came here that I couldn't get a Suzuki GSX-1400 here because yeah. they were never sold here. And mm. much as I would like one, um, the chance of getting one over here. When you pick a non-USA-spec um, bike, I don't think you would ever be able to get it yeah, registered Yeah, they haven't paid to get it cleared, yeah. to pass inspection, all that stuff. I yeah. can see why he wants well, one, though. This is a handsome-looking motorcycle. If you've not checked it out, the fan- Fantic Caballero 700. Well, you know. Great-looking scrambler. Back when I was back when I was a wee teenager, um, Fantic used to make the best mopeds. Hmm. And um, hmm. yeah, Fantic, a Fantic Super Six was the moped to have. So let's have a look. Fantic Caballero seven hundred forty-five millimeter forks, mono shock, Italian, always nice, Brembo calipers. This oh, nineteen seventeen-inch spoke wheels. Well, aren't there enough other bikes? <clears throat> similar here to choose from why do you got to choose one you can't have because people want what they can't have exactly it's the forbidden fruit so wait but wait, like wait said, till it's, it's 25 years bike. old or has ten thousand miles on it and then you might be able to because they what, what, what else yeah. do they have this motor in oh <laughs> let me see Emma, let oh me see. my god oh oh that's a good look oh you know what that <laughs> looks like um bike. do you see it is that right? it's a good looking uh, bike uh oh the it looks like the Indians. The Indian looks like FTR. an SSR. Oh, it looks even better in blue. Oh, okay, calm down. That that upswept <laughs> exhaust. Oh God, that's and the little racing right. number on it. That's a handsome. So, what's the suspension? My... So yeah, g- give up. You you can't have it. Oh, I want one now because <laughs> we can't have it. You can't have it. But you know what? You know what that looks a little bit like. 
the uh, 701's fart pillin that was here yeah, today. Yeah, this one's got a lot more curves to it, though. <laughs> oh, no, but, it's, it's great, isn't hey, it? Hey, I mean, there is a bike you can get that, that looks really different from everything else. Check out the 701 Husqvarna fart pillin. Yeah, cool looking bike. No, I just found, oh, I lost it. Uh, some dudes we ran into at, what was the last motorcycle show? We were at the Quail. They built yeah. these scramblers. Well, they just had that same CP2 motor they had taken out and put, looked like a like a race carb on it. Mm. Anyway, it looked wicked. Yeah. All right, Patrick, you got one there, and then Emma, yes. you're on deck. I'm okay. not even, I'm not even going to try this accent because I'm going to butcher the hell Go out for of it. it. Well, where, are they, it. where are they from? It's uh, Perth, Australia. Oh, you got this. Truth, this, uh, my this is going to be this. terrible. Go for it. <laughs> just start with oi matey oi matey dear misfits i just have to tell you how much i love the podcast <laughs> it's true <laughs> really, mate really appreciate the time and effort you put in you all put in to help create such a wonderful and it's gone. show he, and it's, it's gone it's over no it's crazy it's crazy it's like you're bloody I'm there mate excited oh, for each new episode to arrive are so, you excited so a huge thank you from perth western australia Ooh. as an owner of all 30 motorcycles and over 50 years I love the banter learning and tips I pick up from each show just the tip as a fellow <laughs> podcaster over six years I know how much work and commitment goes into putting the show together so once again a huge thank you kindest regards Steve Wood all the dirt podcast all the dirt podcast there you go oh, nice. another podcast check it out. Was, honestly it was like you were there Patrick <laughs> it was, it was <laughs> like you were there bloody marvelous, it's really easy mate. to do Australia you just over. A picture a big red rock <laughs> uh, I'll Jim's keep that like, on my what? mind next time. Yeah. Best I could do is Crocodile Dundee. All right. Emma, you got one there. Um, yes, I do. This is from David. Wait, did I give you two to read? Yes, you did. Then pick one. I'm going to read the one from David. Okay. Hey, David. Hey, David. Um, and it is titled N plus zero equals harmony, which I don't necessarily agree with. Um, <laughs> Depends on what, in, what N is. So... Um, Hello, Liza and Misfits. I love you all, even Nock, who is hard to love at times. Oh, I agree with that. <laughs> he can be so distant and evasive. No, he is. He's, he's quite aloof, really. Mm, but that magnetism just... Mm. It's, yeah. that, it's that hairless, dark skin. I just want to rub on him. I know. Like yeah. it, I want to lick it. <laughs> Tastes like dim sum. <laughs> God! <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. oh god i wonder what knock- did i actually say that I no out. i wonder what knock flavored potato chips would be like <laughs> oh <laughs> like Probably those like those dried spicy oh. shrimp you no, get at the mexican store so, <laughs> like okay. no i remember so okay this is probably a very unpopular opinion <laughs> because i know you americans tend to be quite um possessive over your things so when I when I first came over, everyone was like, oh, you've got to try bugles. They're great. You've got to try bugles. You've got to try bugles. So I bought a bag of bugles, and I was extremely disappointed because <laughs> I ate my first one. I thought, they taste like somebody has already been sick in the bag. <laughs> and I've never had one since. That it was easily the most revolting thing. And where on earth they got that flavor from? It's uh, it's good though that saltiness just no it, it grows it, on you over time. no it tastes like <laughs> but I'll somebody, never be able to eat them the same way again no it now. tastes Thank like you. somebody has already been sick in the bag that's what <laughs> anyway I mean. get back to the anyway, tea bag and knock forgive me um, 
So, this is... No, we're going to go back to David's email now, so pay attention. Okay, okay. Um, I tried like hell to buy a dirt bike to attend your rally, but it didn't happen. I stayed Mm. home and instead installed uh, slides, guides, and seals. Okay. um, Because my spouse talked me out of it. So, that's N plus zero equals harmony, I suppose. (laughs) I didn't have my priorities straight, but that's okay because she bribed me with a new KTM... 690 Whoa. when my son graduates from college. Didn't specify how old your son is now, David. So <laughs> yeah. if he's like three, you've got a raw deal, darling. So I'm not a real biker now. Did I lose my bro card? Well, bro cards are overrated anyway, sweetie. Um, on my recent trip to Talbot's, I was surprised to see a cis sax on display. I rode one of those for a summer and I saw a lot of those bikes growing up, but they were all pieces of crap. I never thought I would see one in a museum. Isn't that funny? That got me thinking about other bikes I thought were just ugly, funky bikes, but now I know I wish I had one. Two prime examples come to mind. The the Jawa CZ, or as you Americans would say, the CZ, mm-hmm. and the MZ250. Um, and he's, he's sent a couple of pictures, and he's not just picked any MZ. He has picked the MZ Trophy. 250, Ooh. which is the prettier one. <clears throat> so, oh, look, look at, at that, that headlight. Yeah, look at oh. that beast at the bottom. Look at that. Mm, lovely. Now, both of these bikes are very, very interesting. Um, I might be high. Does anyone else think these are groovy-looking bikes? Yes, of course they are. Um, Miss Emery's probably the only one who's ever seen these bikes in real life, and I have. Are they not funky, cool, mechanical contraptions? I could totally see a hipster on one, one of these works of art. Do any of you know of any old love unloved bikes in the past today that might be desirable? Well, truth is, David, is a lot of them. And I'm going to get, like, really controversial now. Things were a lot fucking prettier a long time ago. We've embraced functionality design in such a way that when we are presented with a marginally pretty bike, um, I'm as pretty as that Fantic Caballero is, it's not an exceptional-looking bike. It's just everything now is so designed with function in mind, it becomes outstanding. I disagree. That Svartpillen... Does not is not designed for function. It's designed for style and performance. It's it's a very odd looking bike. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It is an odd well, looking it, bike, it, and that it's in the a way it's made, not the rule. But okay. God, people don't make pretty things anymore. You know, I was. Um, you know, I, I I was getting quite nostalgic this week, and it, of all things, I was looking at a picture of an old. Um, an old uh, English airliner, um, marvellous contraption called the Vickers VC-10, which was like the go-to British aeroplane from the 1960s. And I was just struck how crushingly pretty this plane was. And there's nothing that looks like it now. And that applies to a lot of things. You know, um, the mid-60s really, and, and towards the early 70s, were absolutely the high point of design and there were some very very clever people making some very very 
bold de- design decisions now, and I think we've gotten away from that. And so we're presented with two bikes here. And the top one, Jawa in India have reintroduced a 300cc bike, a twin cylinder, which looks almost exactly like the Jawa CZ, which tells you a lot about how robust that design was. It's a great-looking bike. It's very, very curvy, very Art Deco, um, superb-looking machine. Now, the MZ at the bottom, these have become very, very collectible, particularly the Trophy. And what was a cheap entry-level bike at the time really has become, certainly in Europe and in Germany in particular, they go absolutely crazy for these things, and they fetch hands for big money. So we we have a restored example at the bottom, and it's just a 252 stroke and not a particularly quick one. I think the the best MZ250 on the world made about 12 horsepower, maybe 15 horsepower. So it's not a high-performance bike for speed transmission. There's nothing special about it. That's probably about a $10,000 bike now in that condition because it's become so culty. Um and I, it just, I don't know. I mean, I don't know whether it's sad. I, it's, it. Well, I, I, I'm going to agree to disagree. I think that there's some very good looking bikes coming out, but this is all a matter of preference, and your preference may be in a certain era. And that is a very, very valid point. And the aesthetics that we grew up with are often ones that we carry through. Yeah into our adult life and you know it's it the 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 cars and the bikes and the aircraft we saw flying overhead and the buildings we looked at um when we were growing up and were familiar to us you know birmingham was a very very interesting um town because birmingham itself is very very industrial i mean it's the industrial center of the uk but once you get out into the suburbs you'd get these just glorious 1930s apartment blocks with curved glass, just really art deco. And they were really pushing the envelope of design. These were buildings that almost looked nautical in de- in design. You'd get these lovely curved walls with curved glass on them and portholes and these lovely sweeping balconies. And it really was an absolute masterpiece of design because Birmingham was a very, very wealthy city. Um so some of the some of the better suburbs had these glorious buildings, and these were all the things I grew up looking at, even though I didn't actually experience them because from the lower spectrum financially. Well, and Emma, we also have to take into account that aesthetic. When it comes to aesthetics, we really can't trust your opinion because you think the PC eight hundred is great. <laughs> oh God, yeah, yeah, oh, okay. best looking bike ever made, mate. Liza, you're about to get dick punched. <laughs> oh, anyway. Um, so, um, I mean, I could I could do a whole show on sort of... Um, you almost just did. <laughs> well, no, he says, he says, do you know of any old unloved bikes in the past today that might be desirable? Um, a lot, actually. Yeah. yeah. But I, you know, it's, it's like I like all things. If it's got an engine, I like it. And I defy anyone to look at a Vickers VC-10... And tell me it's not a gorgeous aeroplane. 
It's just amazing looking thing. Oh, when it comes to what's collectible, I mean, the dirt bike guys love old Elsinores, but a sport bike rider might just let it rust in the backyard because they don't have any attachment to it. Really, it just yeah. matters what what aesthetically you you like. And Emma, just looking around this room from from the uh, you know the the chopper to a to a Vespa to a sport bike. Oh to, no, they're they're all to lovely. A, uh, to a touring bike, there there's so many different things, and that's the thing. It's great find something that you like. Um, but what I think is cool is to find a bike that isn't on a lot of people's radar, which may be a bike that wasn't as um, made it in mass. Yes. So um, just find something that you like. Hey, um, and that's it. So anyway, there's a PS to this. Oh, and then okay. there's the so it's <clears throat> Dear Miss Emma. Um, oh, here we go. I subscribed to Patreon to the Ask Miss Emma level, but I can't find the super secret email address. So I'll ask my question here. Okay. Maybe the secret is there is no email address. Well, there is, and he found me, but it just gives me one less Ask Miss Emma to to answer because I've got a couple. So I'm going to answer it here, David. Um, dear Miss Emma, this June, we are traveling to Barcelona and the Azores for our 25th anniversary. Ooh, and nice. my parents... 60th anniversary while in barcelona i'm considering renting a bike to ride over the pyrenees into france or part of cat's route and back to barcelona i know that you lived in spain i did indeed do you have any recommendations also i'm considering a bmw 310 because it's cheap and fun would a 310 be an appropriate bike for the ride so let's um address um, all of the things. Um, that neck of the woods in Spain and France and Andorra is probably one of my favourite parts of the world. Doesn't matter where you go; it's all gorgeous. You're going to have a lovely time. Just be aware that when you're at that elevation, things can change very, very quickly. So you can be riding in glorious warm sunshine and then the next minute you're in potential rain and the temperature will drop 20 degrees in a minute because that's what happens at altitude. Mm -hmm. I mean, the Pyrenees are just absolutely glorious. So what I'm hearing you say is a Vespa so you have coverage. Right. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Would a 310 be appropriate bike for the ride? I think you're going to be looking for power. well, you're going to be in the mountains, right? Right. BMW 310s are fun little bikes. Um, they handle well, and they make a reasonable amount of power. Um, however, there's going to be two of you on it and some luggage, and you're riding it basically above 10,000 feet. Yeah, I think you're going to need a bigger bike. Yeah. And you or can, a Vespa 300. Or a Vespa 300, <laughs> because everyone expects no, you to go slow. I, I'm serious. I'm serious. I think that would be a completely <clears throat> adequate... Oh, uh, no. You'd be looking for... A Vespa 300? Listen, you're going to be riding mountain passes where the truck drivers, they drive these things called Scania's over there. Okay. And a Scania has got like about a 700 horsepower engine. And they go up major inclines, like at 65, 70 miles an hour. So the truck drivers in the DAFs mm. and the Scania's are just going to be running you off the road. You need something with power. So, but it sounds like he likes BMW. Mm. They offer a lot of different Oh, bikes. yeah, you've so got the, you've got the 650, BMW. the 700. Yeah. 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 My personal favorite is the 900 Twin, which I think is an incredible bike. Um, and, yeah, you just... 
put it in dynamic mode and off you go. Scare yourself silly. Good luck, David. Well, thank you. I'm jealous. Barcelona's a beautiful town. Walk up and down La Rambolas, but just remember, there are people who earn their living, and a mighty good living it is too, picking pockets in Barcelona. So get a money belt. Oh, I thought you were saying start practicing now. Well, you can, (laughs) but um, make sure your wife doesn't carry her purse with her and any of your valuables, you know, put in a belt around you. Um, And I mean, they, they can get in there. But just make it as hard as you can for them. It's just one of those sad facts, you know. All right. Well, there you go. Um, before we sign out, there's somebody needs to make an announcement here. Bagel, you have an announcement yes. to make. Yes. Uh, this weekend at the uh, scooter rally here in town, the Oregon 100, the Top Dead Center Scooter Club uh, inducted me as one of their newest members. Hey! Congratulations. Cool logo. Well done, Bagel. How many members are are there in this auspicious club? I think there are about 12 to 15 members right now. Oh, lovely. Don't know know the the, the exact number, but uh, it's a great group of of folks. They've been uh, been together for 25 years now, and I've known a couple of them for 20 years of that, actually. So well, I'm really, they're, uh, they're, they're very lucky to have somebody with your enthusiasm and knowledge as a member, Bagel. And, and I'm glad you don't well, have thanks. the same attitude towards clubs that I do. And that <laughs> I would never join a club that would have someone like me as a member. <laughs> right. <laughs> but yeah, I'm, well, I'm honored and, and uh, very thrilled to be a part of the club now. Awesome. Congratulations, Bagel. You've got some thanks. people. Do you, um, do you have to do any sort of like pledges to get in the club? Do you have to kind of no cover, no, there's, cover there's yourself no. with oh, peanut you butter and let yes. a horse lick it, it off or something? I don't know. No, there's no no <laughs> pledging, no no hazing, no no rituals. Well, there just... should be. Who, well, um, can you give me the telephone number of the club president? <laughs> I think we can look it up. Well, congratulations, Bagel. Yes, well done, Bagel. Um, Thank you. There you go. The death episode part one. I think we're going to have to do a whole nother one. No, I think I might sit out part two. This was, this was actually harder. This, this was harder on me than I'd like well, to imagine. Well, part two, the death of the bike, I think is relevant because you are, like I said, you are the doctor. You've seen a lot of deaths. Oh, fucking coroner. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Should we do a, a part three death and micro dosing? What? I know. That, that's been popping up around me lately a lot. Oh. Yeah. I, so, I will tell you that. It's it's never a decision I take lightly. No, when I no. when I tell yeah. somebody their bike's done, it's it's, a, it's another heavy conversation, and that's why I yeah. want to save yeah. that for a whole other show. Um, hey, this is the time where I say thank you to all of our Patreon subscribers. I have sent out all the T-shirts, and uh, if you haven't gotten it, you should be getting it. But uh, um, if you do get it, please. Uh, take a picture and share it on our Instagram or our Discord or on our Facebook. Let people see it. And if you are interested in buying a shirt, we have them for sale. Go to motorcyclesandmisfits.com. Click on shop. Now, the new design that Patrick here yeah, is Patrick wearing. Yeah, Patrick is sporting his. So good. And I, I will tell you, it is limited edition. And by that meaning, I just order one batch and they're gone. I have Right now, I have one medium and one 2XL left. Everything after that is just going to be larges and exits. And I, I tell you what, Liza, that blue is a very good color indeed. Yeah. My uh, next bike is going to be 
gut color. I still have some of the evil wheelie uh, shirts that are sell- selling too, but same thing, limited edition. Once it's gone, it's gone. So motorcyclesandmisfits.com, find it there. And uh, yeah, this is the way I thank all of our Patreon subscribers. I think you're one. I, I am indeed. That's how you got it. Were you surprised <laughs> to see it show up? Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, you knew it was coming. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so big thanks. But again, especially thanks to all of our listeners and especially the ones that send in emails. We could use some more. And also big, big thanks to everyone who did leave a review uh, on their listening device. We could still use some more because it's really helping. So, um, but yeah, that, that bad review um, has kind of gotten buried appreciate it so much and you know before we say goodnight it's appropriate to say it right now um as you know i used to work for monterey peninsula passports Mm -hmm. and i still have a wholesale account with them it's where i buy all my parts from and they had a very very nice young man who worked up in the parts department called stephen dolan and Stephen was killed on his bike a couple of weeks ago. Oh. And it's really hit everyone very, very hard. The shop, the shop's really, really taken it hard. And the, um, and the uh, biking community in Monterey, because he was a really, really good guy. And um, it's really affected us all. So um, I wanted to mention that, you know, we're keeping you in our hearts, Stephen. Yeah, to... To Stu's dad, to Teddy, to to Ozzy, to Stephen, to Josiah, who right. used to come here. A lot of people we didn't even mention. Oh God, you yes, are Josiah. all still. I mean, being thought of. We we still carry these people in our hearts, and we still remember them as they were. Yeah. Exactly. Hey, when I die, will you remember me in my twenties? I was—I had awesome hair then. I think we're just gonna stuff you and then like <laughs> mount you on on a motorcycle and and like remote control you around the parking lot. I I, I was actually put me think- on the amigo. On the amigo, I, exactly. I, I was thinking of actually converting her into a table lamp. We could just kind of oh. stand her in the corner and light bulb. I, I wouldn't be surprised if you guys are like. Uh, I think she really wanted to be buried with the Amiga, like the <laughs> final prank. <laughs> oh All gosh. right. So on that note, thank you, everybody. It's time to get out of here. This is Eliza. This is Patrick. Adios. Emma, darling. Naked Jim, son. Bagel. And we are out of here. Cool, cool. Cool, cool. Cool, cool. <laughs>